0: Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm good to be, it's good to be teaming up with my bride one more time. Uh, Amen. She uh, did a more than adequate job while I was down our last lesson. And. but uh, I'm, I'm here tonight to try to just uh, be some arm candy for her, I think, while she teaches. Amen. If you love the Lord, let's uh, bow our heads, lift up our heads, however you feel like praying, and let's pray into the Lord. Can we do such? Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you. We adore you, Lord. Give you honor tonight. Thank you, God, for allowing us one more day to come into your presence to worship here on this earth with people of like faith. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to allow us tonight, God, to be fertile ground, to receive your word. Lord God, bless it, Lord Jesus. Let it bring a bountiful harvest to my soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you love God, you can be seated. Amen. So we are going to be covering tonight uh, another portion of our Christian lifestyles lessons that we have been teaching, and uh, we're excited to be doing these. i will probably have uh, probably two more sessions with this uh, before we are finished, Um, but I think it's an important thing to teach today uh, that we should know, amen? So tonight, we're going to talk about attitudes. So, buckle up. The attitude is an inward feeling that's expressed by outward behavior. It's an inward feeling expressed by an outward behavior. That's why when somebody has an attitude, it can be seen without even saying a word. Every parent with a teenage child or had a teenage child knows exactly what I mean. And every teenage child that has a parent that's ever done something stupid and seen their parent's face knows the look. Children could sit and be pouting and be upset and not say a word and just sit there and just say, Attitude. attitudes make or break christians attitudes you can have an attitude towards something that's positive or an attitude towards something that's negative but an attitude whichever which way you choose to take because whether you believe it or not nobody can put you in an attitude well pastor you just never had anybody push your buttons <laughs> well, you just never had anybody do you wrong. <laughs> People can put you in an attitude or you can allow yourself to overcome that and have a better attitude. People have attitudes today in different ways. And as Christians, there's a couple of attitudes that we really, really need to stay clear of. Okay? Okay? The attitude of some today in in church walks is this. How much do I have to do to be saved? What's the bare minimum that I can get away with and still be okay with pastor, the church, and God? And unfortunately, it goes in that order. God is not the priority of what we want to be right with. It's pastor, the church, and then God. The attitude of a saved Christian or one that wants to be successful in their walk with God needs to be how much do I have to do to be saved? How much can I do? I'm sorry, now clap. How much can I do to be saved? (laughs) Can't read my own notes. What is it that I can do? What is it that I'm able to do? It's a willingness. Again, we go to this and I, I need to move, but we are servants servants ask, what can I do? What can I do, God, to be to be pleasing to you, to bring glory to you, to be right with you? What can I do? Not just let me show up and do the bare minimum and then get out of here. If you live by that type of attitude, that what is it can I do, God, for you? What is it can I do? Then there are things in Scripture, uh, Christian lifestyles, that, you'll never have a problem with if you can keep the attitude what else can I do? In in these examples the emphasis that the Bible places and we're going to be talking tonight, I'm going to bring up some scriptures is simply about attitude. Now the very first part of this lesson tonight uh, may come across, my first part may come across as just talking to uh, the second part will be talking to the individuals. We'll be talking to the women, but this first part goes to it is not gender specific because attitudes can go for anyone. But in these examples in the Bible, it places an a, um, importance on the attitude of a woman. Okay, what is a woman to be according to Scripture? 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4 says she's to be meek, but let it be hidden, let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. And she's also to be submitted. Ephesians 5, 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The biblical requirement for a woman's attitude are not because she's inferior to a man, but simply because of the order of creation that God has placed. Okay, before you go, I want you to talk about uh, that meek spirit that, that you told me about today, about the meek spirit, the difference.
1: Well, a meek and quiet spirit Um, when you, when you study that out, we, you know, it's some, uh, people have taken that to mean that, that, that a woman then should not have much to say, uh, that she should just be silent. And, um, but the Bible, if if you study scripture, the Bible does not teach that at all. No. Um, it talks about women prophesying and praying and teaching and uh, we have the same Holy Ghost, women do that men do. We have the same power within us that a man has in him. So a meek and quiet spirit doesn't necessarily mean that you are, you know, because you know you know good well some people are going to come to mind that you think they don't have a meek and quiet spirit. They march around barking orders, and you know, you know, you just I don't know. They just have a lot of attitude, but it's not necessarily about them, about um, a woman just being uh, quiet. Maybe she sometimes needs to be quiet, but it's about, again, the attitude of it.
0: Yeah, she still submitted to the man, but she shouldn't, you know. Let me give another explanation Yes. Of what we talked about. <laughs> You'll see some, this is, this is not a meek and mild spirit. When they're walking around all quiet, but out of the corner of their eye they're looking every opportunity they can to pounce on somebody. But they come across as, oh, everything's good. But there's utter turmoil inside of them because their attitude is not submitted towards Mm -hmm. the man. Because the Bible says, your own husbands. Matter of fact, I don't think you can be submitted to God until you're first submitted to your own husband. She should have a meek and submitted But it doesn't mean that she lays underneath your thumb. Fellers. Right. Okay. But, you know, women can be meek and quiet. But that doesn't mean they don't have something to say. But there's an order of creation. Right. Is that understandable? My wife is up here teaching with me tonight. She's my helpmate, she's my side, she's here with me. She's not the pastor, mm-hmm. but she's the help that God has given me to be the best that I can be. Amen. There's an order to creation. You're it, go.
1: Okay. So tonight, I mean, obviously if we're talking about lifestyle convictions and we've already gone through um, scripturally why we dress the way that we dress. And so what is another visual thing that you see in our our women is our hair. Our hair is different. Our hair is long. Uh, It's not styled like the world. Um, And we're gonna look at that in scripture as to why we have long, uncut hair. Um, And you'll see why this plays into our you know, our, our place yes. in God's order. Amen. The holiness standard that perhaps best exemplifies a woman's acceptance of her God-given role is the one concerning her hair. This is a headship issue that goes all the way back to creation. So we're going to look in, if they can pull up for me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to look starting at verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 5 right now. For, um, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, Dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one as if she were shaven. So, before Paul, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, before he gives an admonition to the Corinthian women about their appearance, Paul shows them how they should be under authority. Under authority. Remember several, uh, maybe it's been a few months ago, where pastor um, preached a, a really great message about alignment. Alignment is so critical, especially, it's always been critical, but especially as we are in the end times, especially because we are nearing the end of the church age when the church is about to be raptured out of here. We've got to make sure that we are in proper alignment with God and with God's word. Amen? That's really all that matters. And so this tonight, what we're talking about is is about alignment and about proper alignment and order in God's word, amen. So um, a submissive heart on the inside will always demonstrate a submissive demeanor on the outside. The problem in the Corinthian church was not with Christian women cutting their hair. Every reputable Bible scholar emphatically states that moral women in all cultures of Paul's day did not. So this is, this is not what Paul is really addressing here. We're going to explain things in clear detail, okay? The problem was that Christian women, enamored with their newfound freedom in Christ, were no longer wearing veils as their culture demanded. Keep in mind, uh, these, these, this is, this is, the, the church is new. The church is new at this point, amen? And, and now Paul says there's neither Jew or Gentile, there's neither bond or free, there's no n- 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 nor male nor female. And so women have, have found a newfound freedom. And so there's an issue here with this Corinthian church when it comes to wearing, as according to culture, that they would have been wearing a veil
0: multiple cultures from different areas coming in all together to the church paul was having to address issues where the church takes precedent over
1: culture well and they but he's addressing the fact that they that they were wearing veils to church and the ones who did not wear veils uh, identified them as something else let me explain this unintentionally identified them with the heathen priestesses in the local temples to Apollo and Aphrodite, who offered their worship bareheaded, meaning with no veil, or and with disheveled hair, and thus by association with the hundreds of temple prostitutes who even cut off their hair to offer it in sensuous religious rites or sacrifices. This is not something that, uh, you know, we just dreamed up in our head. If you look at history, the goddess Diana, who was a problem back in Paul's day, the goddess Diana was a problem, and the the women would sacrifice, literally cut their hair off, and offer it as a sacrifice to Diana, okay? And the women who did not wear veils in this culture, in this time period, and they, who did not wear veils were temple prostitutes, and so Paul is addressing this issue to this church at this time, that you you need to wear the veil. This isn't a universal teaching from, you know, uh, for all of time, but for right at this time because it's it's an important issue. These women need you need to wear your veils because if you don't, you're going to look like you're going to ruin your testimony. People are going to think that you are temple prostitutes okay so it's important to understand that in this chapter 11 what is commonly referred to as a hair chapter but really it's a chapter about god's order and authority right and submission um that it's not about it's not just about uh about having long hair and about having uncut hair it's he's also addressing a minor issue let me explain in the old testament they didn't have to wear veils in the Old Testament, prostitutes wore veils, but now we're in the New Testament, and now the culture is that you do wear veils to church if you're if you truly are a, a spiritual godly person, you do wear veils. Now we're back. At, now we're in this culture, and now we do not wear veils. Everybody, underst- we're all on the same page so far. Okay, we're on the same. We're gonna. Don't worry, we're we're getting somewhere. This is why Paul tells them in the same epistle. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. All right, go some ahead.
0: things, Paul saying, I can do everything I want to do, but not everything is edifying. So there are some things that we don't do because it does not edify. People say, well, why don't we go here and why don't we do that? We can, but it doesn't edify, doesn't mm-hmm. glorify, it doesn't bring beauty to the God because we don't want our good to be evil spoken of. So we, we pull away from these things. Paul teaches the Corinthians that a man should not worship with his head covered and while a woman should wear a veil. These customs indicated in, in the Corinthian culture at that time, modesty. Right. Okay. So Paul was talking about modesty in the Corinthian culture. And if a woman refuses to wear a veil, Paul says she might as well cut her hair or even go to the extreme of shaving her head because she's already bringing shame to herself and to her husband. Right. And scholars agreed that these women would never even think of cutting their hair, never even think of it. Paul had made his, had made his point, he'd made his point. And something that needs to be brought out tonight, that needs to be talked about is that rebellion even in a minor area, just a little bit of rebellion, it's still rebellion. Well, my hair is, is long, but it's trimmed. Rebellion in the smallest form is still rebellion. Okay. First Corinthians 11 and 6 says, For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Is it a sin or just a shame for a woman to cut her hair? The word shame comes from the Greek word A-I-S-C-H-O-R-N, which refers to something that is a disgrace, okay? It is the neuter form of A-I-S-C-H-R-O-S, which is translated filthy, or that which is opposed to modesty or purity. The word shaven should be self-explanatory. It means to cut near the surface, make bare or smooth. But what does shorn, Greek, K-E-I-R-O, kiro, mean? Mm -hmm. Most scholars and translators see it as a meaning, as it meaning cut with shears or removed by cutting, which specify without specifying how much. Okay? In other words, cut is cut. Cut is cut. It seems that hair is shorn if it is cut at all, according to Scripture. However, to be sure, we'll need to look beyond this verse a little, a little bit further. 1 Corinthians eleven seven 7-9. For if for a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Okay? So, with that being said, well, we'll wait. I'll I'll, I'll wait. We'll we'll go on. I don't want to get ahead of myself.
1: So, the woman, the first woman was made from the man, right? Yes, from the man. He was made in the image of God. The woman was made from the image of the man. But then, so that's what that verse says. But then, every single man born since then has has come from a woman, right? True. (laughs) So... So we're kind of we evened the score a little bit there. <laughs> Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's debatable. When a woman enters God's presence, when a good when a woman enters God's presence with her hair cut, she removes herself from God's order. This is what this scripture is teaching us. In creation, God gave man and woman certain unchangeable physical characteristics to distinguish them, but he allowed them both to possess one unchangeable physical characteristic. Both men and women can manipulate their hair. Yep. Men can grow their hair long and women can cut their hair short, but by conforming to God's standard They demonstrate their willingness to accept God's authority. First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. There is a very good reason that godly women choose to be under authority. And I want to say that again, there's a very good reason that godly women choose to to be under authority it is a choice yes it is a choice yes Um, and i want to remind us and encourage our women and our girls that are here tonight that like pastor talked about we are to be a helpmate to our husbands and some would find this demeaning or inferior especially in today's world yeah oh i'm i'm just his helpmate that, that sounds really inferior, doesn't it? it I mean, in, in today's society, it would sound that way. Some would find it that way. But God himself, think about this. God himself is described as our help. He is a very present help. Yes. We are not less than man because we are submitted or because we are a, a helpmate to him. We have a different role than him, yeah. and we need to fill that role. And try not to fill the man's role. Oh, that's good. Okay, because of her unique, or because of her unique place in God's creation, a submitted woman has power on her head. This is in the Bible. We're looking, we're examining Scripture tonight. Yes, we're, we are breaking this down and and going through it almost word by word to explain it. Why is this scripture here? Why is this teaching here? Why is this chapter, a large part of it, dedicated to women's hair and man's hair? The word, okay, so woman has power on her head. This word exuza means, which exusa is that when you look at that word power, and we define what that word power is, and just a little FYI, If you ever want to define a word from the Bible, don't look to Webster's Dictionary. You need a lexicon to do that. You need a lexicon. Everybody understand? Look it up. You need it. If you want to define what a word is in the Bible, because, you know, it's just, it's simple translation to English language. And sometimes, you know, you can examine a word and you get a more clear understanding of what that word is about. Okay, so whenever you need to define something, you need to use a lexicon. Don't look it up on Google or on in Webster Dictionary. Okay, it gives you exact translation when you do that. This this is a little, f a little extra. Okay, so the word power is exousia, which means liberty of action, which is permission, authority, which is influence delegated power, which is jurisdiction. And pictures the woman exercising her God-given right to guard her home, her husband, her children, and even the church. Mm -hmm. A godly woman's uncut hair is the mark of her authority in the presence of God. And in the spirit realm, both angels and demons who are fallen angels recognize spiritual yes. authority and they know when it is not present. Amen. Amen.
0: So let's look at first Corinthians chapter 11 verses 11 through 15. If they could throw those up there. Thank you. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man hath long hair, it's a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Paul moves the crux of the matter by exhorting the Corinthians to judge In yourselves, that's what he says. And after everything Paul has taught, the only logical conclusion is that it's not comely, becoming, for a woman to worship if she's not, if she is unwilling, to submit to authority by wearing a veil. He goes on to say, "How does nature itself teach this? Man inherited sense of." Uh, of, of propriety to nature makes virtually every society look at long hair on a man as uncomely. Okay? But also look at a number of men who have reached mature years. We find that the older that men get, the less hair that they have. Some of us are a little bit more mature than others. But nature itself begins to show that the older that we get, the the hair starts to come off. We go crazy trying to get our hair not to fall out. Special shampoos, special conditioners. We've even got crazy that we have this stuff that we spray on our head to make it look like we've got more hair. Some of us are just happy. You don't need to put a doily on a marble countertop. Think about it. She's the serious. I'm the color commentary. But we find very few bald women in humanity. There are some, but very few. But as men age, most of them, almost every one of them will experience some type of male pattern baldness by some complex genetic mechanism. God clears off the head of a man as time goes on, while only sickness or genetic issues is associated with the balding of women. Nature teaches so plain that it sometimes escapes our sophisticated, educated minds that even nature itself. Now I'm going to get a little bit, just a little bit pastoral, a little bit crazy. It's not in the notes, but thinking over this, just thought about this. Because I've heard some women say they just love long hair on men. Most of the time, that attitude comes from a rebellious spirit. Why you say that? I say that because most of the time when you see fellers with long hair, they're sexualized. You see those adult, women adult books. I don't need to go into details. You all know what I'm talking about. Every one of them fellas don't have a shirt on and they all have long hair. Fella, by the name of Fabio, made himself a living <laughs> off of no shirt and what long hair in the 80's you had bad bands with bad vocals and very limited musical talent that made themselves famous because of what long hair and they called them what hair bands and the women would go crazy and every one of them was sexualized you argue with me all you want society proves my point Nature itself tells us it's not good for a man to do that. Now, I'll take you one more silly point and prove it again. How many times have you been in a place and saw somebody walk by with long hair and not know, is that a man or a woman? And then they turn around and their beard makes you second guess. Because when we see long hair, we don't think of... The masculine. Makes
1: sense? Okay. That makes good sense.
0: So the word glory or doxa, D-O-X-A, means a good opinion resulting in praise. Literally, God has a good opinion of her. The word also expresses how the woman's submission in having long hair reflects God's glory. Again, glory beauty of God. How long, though, is long? The word coma, K-O-M-A, or Kome, K-O-M-E, translated long in verses 14 and 15, literally means uncut. And let the hair grow. The verb implies a condition which remains to be seen. Now, as a pastor, I've been argued with this from every angle you could come at. And so I did some research and I asked professionals. Professional meaning people who cut hair for a living. And I asked a question because I've been told that if I trim my hair, it'll grow. That's a myth. Because the hair does not grow from the end. It grows from the root. The root causes the growth. When you trim it, you're not... What makes it look healthy? No, you're not making it look healthier. You're making it look more stylish to the world's aspects of what is stylish what it's not. And I've had women have come and argue with me. Well, I have bad hair. Usually it's over with right there. But going against Scripture... And rebelling against what Scripture tells us does not make it right because within you, you find yourself looking more like the world Mm -hmm. and being accepted more as them is beautiful. Again, the Bible teaches us separation from the world, not acceptance of what they feel is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. The verb implies a condition which remains to be seen. If a man continues to have short hair, he regularly cuts it, he maintains his authority in the presence of God and is not shamed. Right. Well, how long is long hair? On? We had this conversation today because I knew this would come up. Somebody was going to ask it. Well, how long is long hair on a man? Well, when your hair starts to hang, it's too long. When you have to do this, put your hair over your ears, it's too long. When it starts to look like a bob on a woman, it's too long. When it's business on the top and party on the back, it's too long. And I'm gonna take it a little bit further because this is something that bothers me very much because we as apostolic Pentecostals will come down on ladies, but we don't talk about the men. If you let your hair grow out really long so you could comb it over and try to fool everybody that you've got a lot of hair and it's called a comb over, you're wrong. Now, being silly, I'm being serious. Because I've seen some really holy men that want to talk about a woman shouldn't have cut hair. But if they would ever let their hair be unsprayed and let it go down, it's probably down to here. Because they take it and they twirl it around to make themselves look like they've got hair. It's just as wrong. I'll preach it to you. It's serious. A little bit of rebellion. <laughs> you all laughing, but I'm serious. Stop it. <laughs> Similarly, <laughs> Let me move on. We'll hear about this later, Ada. Okay. If a woman continues to have uncut, therefore, long hair, it is a glory to her and she maintains her authority in the presence of God. All right, I will stop.
1: Okay. I can't compete with him. I it's
0: not a competition, honey. I'm the
1: business and he's the party. I That's don't know. That's right. <laughs>
0: Pastor Mullet. Pastor and sister mullet.
1: Oh, So, but you did kind of touch on it a little bit about, you know, hair in our society. And we, we, we brought up in, in talking about apparel and things like that about how, you know, things were a certain way in human history for 5,900 years. Yes. Think about that they were a certain way consistently for 5900 years and about 100 years ago something switched yeah and women changed you look back do you want to know when women started cutting their hair if you find look in the history of that the world history of that women started cutting their hair it was an american thing in the 1920s women started bobbing their hair and it became and when that happened the salons and everything, their, their businesses shot up like crazy because it became the stylish thing to do. Look it up. Men were divorcing their wives because they cut their hair off. They were giving custody of children to other people that were Christian people from the woman who cut her hair. You can look this stuff up. I promise you I'm not making it up. Cutting their hair, it, it, was, it was not a thing until 1920s. And then you jump ahead a few more decades into the 60s and what started happening there, another age of rebellion. The, 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 the 1920s, the decade, right, of rebellion, you look it up, debauchery, the roaring 20s, a whole lot of stuff went downhill in the 20s. And at the end of ni- the 20s in 1929, we had the biggest stock market crash in the world of the, the history of the world. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Fast forward into the 60s. Yeah. And there you have another age of rebellion, the hippie movement, free sex. And men started growing their hair long.
0: Again, the sensuality of a man.
1: Yes. Blurring of the sexes. Yes. We talked about this when we talk about apparel a blurring of the sexes, a taking away of the distinction of male and female, which is how God created us in the beginning amen and so uh I think that it's it's really worth bringing that out how you know we are just we're living in these final hours and so to us these things seem very normal and so it's really hard sometimes to live a separate lifestyle in in the world that we are in today because it's just become so accepted and so normal but had you thrown us back into just, a, just, just before the 1900s, we'd have been just fine. Nobody would have thought a thing. But if you're, but, so it was very easy to line up with the word of God when it came to our appearance. Now it's become exceedingly difficult to line up with the word of God because we stand out like crazy. Yeah. Does it make it mean that we shouldn't do it then? Because we want to just be like the world? We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. God forbid. Amen. Do Christian women have to wear a veil today? Not according to Paul. As he concludes his teaching on authority and the cultural necessity of wearing a veil, he reminds the women that their long hair is their real covering. The reason that the veil is even talked about here is because this was the Corinthian custom during this time period. As I said earlier, if you back up to the Old Testament, the women did not wear them as a general rule in that time period. And we do not wear them in this time period, okay? But in that time period, they did. And for the woman to not wear a veil at that time period would have made her look out of line with her husband and it would have made it look like she was a prostitute and was going to a church or to a temple where that was what they wanted, okay? So it's very important to understand this teaching in this chapter. The phrase for a covering in verse 15 is translated instead of a covering by Young's literal translation of the Bible. To serve as a covering by today's English version and instead of a veil by the interlinear Greek English New Testament. This is also supported by several other Bible translations. The only time a veil is needed is when culture demands it of modest women. Our culture does not demand that of modest women. If I were to go and do a missions trip in Pakistan, I would wear a head covering. And I would do that because I'm trying to win them to the Lord. I'm not trying to offend them. And it doesn't affect my modesty.
0: It doesn't affect the word of God.
1: And it doesn't affect the word of God. Exactly. We'd have a different story, obviously, if it went against the teachings of the word. But it wouldn't. So why would I purposely offend that culture? I would not. Right? So um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 16. But if any man seem to be contentious. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Paul is saying here, if any man, because some people are going to throw in your face, okay, well, we don't have that custom now, so it's okay. Just look at this, look at the verse properly. Paul is saying, if any man is a fight lover, if any man loves to be contentious and just loves to argue and loves to whatever, he loves to fight, uh, that the churches have no other practice. Yeah. Okay? It's very simple. It's not a complicated verse. It doesn't negate everything that he just said up into that verse. Yeah. Amen? Um, okay. Every reputable translation of scripture supports this interpretation. It is the only natural summary to God's or to Paul's, Paul's teaching. teaching. Okay. So people will say, but there is no direct Biblical command saying women should not cut their hair. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37, two, three chapters later, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14 and 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord So it's teaching us right here that what Paul is stating, what he is writing to the to to the Corinthian church, they are the commandments of the Lord. He's heard from the Lord to give these things to the church and we abide by these things still to this day. Yes. Amen. Can I just throw in here I found this very interesting. Maybe I'm sure many people in this room maybe have had no have had no dealings with witchcraft or the occult or anything like that. But I encourage you, if you, if you, have, if you want to do further study on hair and uh, uncut hair in particular, maybe look at the occult and see <laughs> the significance that they put on uncut hair, that it provides strength, that it provides safety from the spirit realm, there's, We could go down another route here. You know what I'm saying? Because we we think that this is just, you know, that this is just some light uh, kind of unimportant wow. thing. And does it really matter if I cut my hair, if I don't cut my hair or whatever? But there's things that are understood in the spirit realm that are understood amongst other ranks in the spiritual realm that the apostolic Pentecostal needs to understand too. The significance and the importance of it uh, is far deeper than what most of us really realize. Right. Yeah. Amen. We, yes.
0: We found this out because years ago, at first, when we first got into ministry, we uh, came in contact with a woman from Missouri mm-hmm. who was not a wannabe witch, not a uh, let me look on the Internet and find a few things. I'm talking about she was in a major coven. Um, it was the real deal, and she was trying to get out, and the Lord brought her uh, to us, and we went through, you we talk about spiritual warfare, we went through spiritual warfare for quite a while on this, and one of the things that she brought out was about this, it was about here, I just, I just remembered this, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they, you know, it was one of the things that she asked us about. She had found a little bit of a apostolic people and had a little bit of contact and asked about it where we fell on it because in the coven they did not, but if they sacrificed, hear me now, human sacrificed, that was one of the things that they would do is they would shave the woman's head. So I'm just reiterating her point, not saying I heard all this on Wikipedia or a documentary. I heard from... The witch's mouth herself. Now, fast forward, she was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, as far as we know, still living for God in southern Illinois. Go ahead. Amen. Sorry, I had to throw that in there.
1: Not at all. Amen. But I'm not convicted about holiness standards. Oh. I'm not convicted. Remember, we talked about there's three things that teach us about lifestyle convictions. The Holy Spirit that is within you will teach you, amen. Proper teaching of the word of God, amen. Teaching, what else? There's three. Yes, that's proper teaching. Well, back up in our notes and you can find it. (laughs) There's three things. Sorry, y'all. Okay. I just lost my place, honey.
0: Your lack of convictions.
1: Okay. Well, I just got rid of it.
0: Here, help me. Here, can you? Yes, I'll find it. Go, Go off of mine.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm not convicted about holiness. Standards. Your lack of conviction does not give you permission to ignore or rebel against the Bible. Amen. 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 You must ask yourself, what is the final authority for how I live? My feelings, my convictions, or the Bible? What has the final authority in my life? Feelings are deceptive. Yep. But the Holy Ghost will never lead you contrary to the Bible. That's true. Amen. How
0: many times have our feelings got us in trouble?
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: But I love her. But I love him. If you go down this path, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. But my feelings say I love him. Fast forward 15 years later, and I'm able to say, I told you so. Because feelings will deceive you. But the Word of God is not about feelings, it is the creative Word of God that brings life and keeps us from hell. Amen.
1: You're back. Ed. So it's really important that we. Um, don't think that a, you know, a certain lifestyle is okay because it's common, huh. it's comfortable, and it's convenient. Good. Sometimes it's not going to be convenient. Sometimes we're going to have to stand up for what we believe yes. and say, No, I'm not going to do dot, da, dot, dot, da, da," because the Bible teaches me not to. Amen. It's not about, you know, we're not trying to, um, you know, we're not trying to um, just be contradictory all the time. It's not about trying to be contradictory. It's about it's about standing up for righteousness. Yes. Amen.
0: Not trying to be mean,
1: right? No, we're not, not trying, trying to be, be mean. Hard.
0: Not trying to be Amish. No, nothing against Amish, right? But that's what I mean. I've, I've just had this argue with me before. You just stuck in the eighteen hundreds. That's not it either. We're trying to stick to Scripture, and again, we go back to. Uh, The Gospels introduce us to Christ. Acts tells us how to have a relationship with Christ. But the Epistles teach us how to live with Christ. Right. To reach revelations when we go home to Christ. If we take out any part of that, we're going to miss out on the end. Mm -hmm. Because just knowing Him in a relationship and being saved does not continually keep me saved when I still can go back to the world because my flesh will cause me to sin. But I've been dunked in water. Jesus' name's been said over me, and I've you know, spoken tongues. I'm all good. No, because your, sin, your, your, your flesh can still take you to sin. People in the church can fall away from the church. Ananias and Sapphira. So we, we have to continue to delve into Scripture to keep us, what will keep us from being in the world, of the world, and going back into the world.
1: And what will keep us safe in this last time, in this final hour, I strongly believe this is why we're seeing such an issue, is submission. Yes. Submission. If you are submitted to the word of God, if you are submitted to the man of God in your life, we're not talking about some crazy cult. Okay, we're talking about a man of God, a man of God. If we are not submitted to a man of God, we can get lost we can be deceived we yes. can be taken out from under that covering if you are no longer submitted to that if you step out from underneath that covering you remove that that covering from you altogether and anything can attack you yes anything can yes. come after you you are yes. you open yourself up to anything amen so yes we'll So these concepts have absolutely nothing to do with a biblical relationship with God. Talking about things being comfortable or convenient or common. It's just the way it is nowadays.
0: It's not common. When you have a relationship with somebody, Mm -hmm. there are times where they will irritate you. That doesn't make you stop loving them. Sometimes things that you do in a relationship, you're not convenient, they're not common, and they're not comfortable. But you are in the relationship.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you for you to continue in a relationship, there are times where you're going to have to take your will aside for the, for the uh, ongoing of the relationship. But I want my socks right there. I don't want my socks right there. I want the downstairs to be made up in, in Buckeyes. And guys will say, why can't you have that? Can't you have a big old, you know, Brutus the, uh, the Buckeye on the, the wall down there. I still don't understand that. But she says it's not pretty. So what do you do? Do you argue with it? Do you make the house contentious? Do you sit down and say, well, I, you know, I, this is the way that I want it. That's just the way it's going to be. Get over it. That's a very cold relationship. But in a relationship, there's always going to be some things that you give and take. Why? Because it's important to me to be in the relationship. Mm -hmm. There are things in my flesh that my flesh will always fight against. And scripture has put up uh, fences and boundaries to keep us from going in places where our flesh takes control. Mm -hmm. Don't always like it. Don't always understand it, but they're there for a reason. And when we continue to move the fence farther and farther away, we find ourselves in the danger zone out of where God placed the boundary. Mm -hmm. So I'm asked a question, and we we talked about this today in studying for tonight, because the question, and I'm, I'm just going over questions and things that have been brought to me, is how long is long? Bible tells us, if it's uncut, it's long enough. Everybody's hair does not grow the same. Right. Someone, they may have uh, hair might be an inch, an inch and a half long. Some may have hair that drags the ground, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it right or wrong because it's thick, luxurious, dragging the ground, uh, gold streamed within it, you know, shining bright. And it, it, it's sparse in just a little bit. It means human hands have untouched what God says is to be done. Glory. Amen. So nature, hopefully I bring this out. Nature tells us what's right or wrong for a man's hair. It's, the Bible tells us, Paul taught us, that for a man's hair to be long, nature itself teaches us. So nature helps our hair to grow. And the aspect of what we know is right or wrong according to what is long in Scripture is nature tells us by the length that the hair grows. So if you see a woman whose hair is uncut but it's short, does not make her wrong. It's the uncut is where the principle falls. So for us to be right with God, we have to follow all the principles. So let's go into this. I'll stop.
1: That show, that that's... That's good because that shows um, really what the submission is. Yes. The submission is through the uncut hair. The submission is not necessarily whether your hair is down to your knees. It's a
0: thing that's untaught in churches today that begin to get away from these common Christian lifestyles that have been practiced throughout the church from the beginning. And they got away with it because it did not fit their mode or their... uh, Lifestyle, and so well we we don't want to explain the mighty God in Christ, so we're just going to say now there's a Trinity that wasn't taught in Scripture, it was never taught from Genesis to Revelation, but man went in there because it did not fit. They were unable to explain. They didn't want what to explain. They wanted to, you know, take and, and fill their own agendas, and so they said this. And so it happens more and more and more where we'll take things that are, are lifestyle. Uh, convictions in scripture that were taught with us to keep us right with God and we convolute them to make it fit more of our understanding and so submission today in some churches you're never going to hear it the pastor's just going to smile at you tell you just to love everybody everybody should accept everything and everything in this world should be acceptable no matter what they are everything should be fine why? because it's a whole lot easier to just say let's just all get along with everybody's sin than it is to actually preach against
1: it. Right, Right. that's right. Because it
0: helps them in their convoluted mindset of not wanting to submit. So what are they not submitting to? They're not submitting to the word. I always go back to the beginning, what we said. The reason why women have a hard time with this, and men have just as much a hard time with it, because if you think that women are doing it just because they feel like it. Most of the time it's a man who who makes her feel inferior or ugly because his eyes are not on his wife's beauty, but they're on some other woman's beauty. I'm about to start preaching. Fellas, we need to get your eyes off of things that shouldn't be on and on the beauty that your wife has that God gave you. And if you have a problem with a wandering eye, you need to pray. Don't make her do things to make her try to compete with things that are ungodly. Yes, yes.
1: Thank you for saying that.
0: You're welcome. Christian women do need, Christian women need to have uncut hair because. Okay, you ready? Yep. All right, number one, it demonstrates her acceptance of her God-given role.
1: Right. Number two, it demonstrates her submission to her husband or father if she's an unmarried. Yes. Right. And if there's no father, well, then she's just flat out submitted to the word of God and the church and her pastor. Yeah. Amen.
0: Number three, it brings permission, influence, or jurisdiction in the spirit realm. She has power. Because of her submission.
1: Amen. Power on her head because of submission. Number four. Amen. You want to talk about apostolic authority, women? Amen. Number four, the holy angels observe a woman's... Time out. Yes.
0: You hit a nerve. (laughs) Because it seems like in the church today, we have a thing where a lot of ladies that are married with unsaved husbands are in church. Ladies, let me just preach to you something. Stay submitted. Submitted to the word of God. Submitted to the man of God. If you ever want to have your man ever find God. Because if you're not doing that, If you talk about the church in a bad way, you talk about your pastor in a bad way, you talk about the things that the church teaches in a bad way, why would he ever want to come to something like that? But you keep on living it, you keep on loving, you keep on uh, uh, staying straight with the word of God and stay submitted, and you'll find the power on a woman's head. Because there's a whole lot of fellows that are here today because a woman prayed them right here.
1: That scripture literally says that if a woman have an unbelieving husband, that he can be saved because of her conversation. Right. And that word conversation is lifestyle.
0: Yes. Amen. So now's not a time to, you know, look more like you used to look before you came to Christ. Now's a time to show him this means something to me. And let me tell you something. Any man who truly loves won't care one bit. He'll love her just because. And fellas, if you have a problem with that, then you need to be here in the next couple weeks and get straightened out on that. Amen. Are we we going number four? Yeah,
1: number four is the holy angels observe a woman's submission to God's authority.
0: Number five, it is a disgrace or a shame, the Bible says, before God for a woman to cut her hair.
1: That's what the Bible says. Number six, Nature or instinct teaches us these principles.
0: Number seven, it maintains a definite line of distinction between male and female.
1: Wow,
0: -hmm. ain't it something that Paul way back then was teaching us stuff that we are suffering with now.
1: Yes, and like we said, this, this this is the battleground today.
0: It is something that literally this they is, fight. We're fighting
1: it, it today bigger than ever. From the
0: elementary school to yeah. the high school to the college and on, there is a battle between the, the, what is male and what is female. Yes. There no. I'm sorry. I argue this is on tape. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. There is no way a five or six-year-old or a four-year-old has any clue <laughs> unless they've been manipulated by an adult on what is male or female. Mm.
1: Number eight, the Bible says it is her glory. And that means God has a good opinion of her and reflects God's glory.
0: Number nine, her submission is a type of the church's submission to Christ.
1: Her submission is a type of the church's submission to Christ. That is good.
0: All right. Take us
1: home. The last one. Very simple. God requests it.
0: Yes. God requests it. God requests
1: it. Amen. God requests it. If he didn't, we wouldn't be teaching it.
0: Well, yeah, because then, then we would be wrong. Right. Because the Bible tells us not to take or add, you know, not to add to Scripture or take away from Scripture. Right. Or we're wrong. So we wouldn't be up here teaching lifestyle principles like this for Christian living and, and just adding things that we just feel like this is opinion. Right. It's not my opinion. It's biblical. It's not something that I'm picking and choosing. Again, the Bible is not a, a, you know, a bag of Chex Mix where you can go in and pick out all the pretzels and leave all the nasty stuff in there. Amen. Just buy you a bag of pretzels. But if you're going to buy Chex Mix, it's because you want everything that's in it. Well, you take on the Bible, you take on everything. Well, I don't like that. It do not make a difference what you like or don't like.
1: Mm-hmm. It's Bible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have an epiphany, though. I am going to, uh, I see myself now as a millionaire. That way all the money in the bank now is mine because I see myself as a millionaire. These guys are always saying, I see myself as a woman. I see myself as a man. I see myself as a cat. I see myself as a dog. I now see myself as a millionaire. So everything belongs to me. That's funny. But this is the same line of thinking. So what we're teaching tonight is not only a biblical principle about uh you know glory and submission, but it's also the difference between uh male and female. Anything you want to add, honey?
1: Yes. I remembered what the third one is. <laughs> The Word of God. The things that teach us, the the things that teach us is the Spirit of God within us, spiritual leadership, and the Word of God. Amen.
0: That's good. Amen. Amen. uh, And they should agree. They all three should agree. They all three should should agree. They should never argue with one another. Yes. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying teaching with my bride on these, um, uh, it's, it's been nice, and we've got a, just a few more weeks that we're going to do, I hope that you're still liking it, um, heard from somebody today that lives in another state that has been watching these on, on Wednesday night, and they caught up yesterday with the last one that you taught by yourself, and they just said how much they've enjoyed these and how they've blessed them and helped them, so uh, I'm hoping that you are here, are catching what we're saying, now we always my phone is always on her phone is always on and we are always available to take a phone call with a question yes and you could call if we don't answer right away we're really good if you leave a message to call you back uh, somebody called me today I felt so horrible because they was like third in line for me to get back to because I was on the phone for about an hour today talking with someone uh, just be patient but you know I never we never said this these you know these lessons but Without opening it up to questions, we can take questions outside of here that you can call and ask, and we'll do our best to answer. Our rule of thumb has always been if I can't give you an answer right now, let me go, I'll get the answer, and I'll bring it back to you. Because I don't want to just give you some answer off the top of my head because I'm flighty enough as it is. It's the reason why I'm a noted preacher. And, and I will get back to you. But if you have questions about anything, we're, we're, don't talk to somebody about it. it in, in the congregation, if you have a question about what we speak, talk to us. Right. I'm not, you know, mean. She's not mean after she drinks her coffee in the morning. Right. <laughs> don't laugh. Most of y'all the same way. So just call. You know we're more than welcome, more more than willing to get back to you to answer questions. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you. God bless. Do you love the Lord tonight? Go ahead, just give God a hand clap of praise.